Welcome to another podcast by Dr. Dennis Smith, Senior Pastor of Covenant Life Ministries. To find out more, go to lifeandfocustv.com. I remember one survey that was done by George Barna that uh, studied thousands I got responses from thousands of church-going Christians. And one question said, how many of you experience God in a worship service? How many of you experience God in a worship service? Only one-third of them could say that they experienced God when they worshiped. Now, praise and worship are different, but normally they're lumped together. And by the way, just a little aside here. This is kind of an, an addendum to last week. We were in a series on living a worry-free life. Nobody been worrying this week, have you? You overcoming worry? All right, good. Just keep walking in it, folks. Keep walking in it. And the last part of that was learning how to overcome worry through worship, or worship as a weapon against worry. And I was moving on to the next series, which I believe we're beginning next week, which will... Uh, be talking about actually the title of the series is when God speaks we're going to talk about how God communicates today how he speaks today and what that can mean for us Uh, but I really was drawn by the Holy Spirit to just stay here uh, and build on last week just just for a little while this morning it's going to be a little bit different normally in a series we go through the scripture and we've got our main headings and our points that we have are to fall through. And this is not going to be exactly like that. If that's kind of your cup of tea, then hang around. It'll be back kind of like that next week. But today is a little bit different because I felt like we need to build on last week in talking about the power of praise and worship. Because this is something that is a key to the overcoming life that many of us as Christians don't really take that seriously. And we just tie it to maybe a Sunday morning or something we do when we get together once a week something we do when we're around other people. But we have to understand that it's so much more than that. Now, we usually link them together, and that's a good thing. That's fine. But we saw last week that there's a distinction. There's a difference between praise and worship. You know, you can praise and still not worship. But you can't worship apart from praise. Praise precedes worship. It's an entry point. Remember Psalm 100 that says, enter into his gates. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise, and be thankful to him and bless his name. Praise is about God. Praise is to God. I like the way a pastor and author, Bill Johnson from Bethel Church, puts it. He says, thanksgiving is our response to what God does. Praise is our response to who God is, his ways. And worship is our response to his presence. I think that bears saying again, let it sink in, that thanksgiving is our response to what God does. Praise is our response to who God is, his ways. And worship is our response to his presence. We experience his presence. So praise and worship are intertwined. And, and so even though the title of today's message is uh, When We Worship, we can't really address this today without 
linking the two together and say when we praise and worship. And praise means literally to admire. It means to commend, to applaud. You know, sometimes we praise people. We praise them for what they did. We, we give praise to people. Some people praise themselves. But when we talk about praise in this context, we're talking about praising God. He is the focal point of our praise. So it means to commend, to applaud, to magnify God. Whereas uh, worthy comes from a word, uh, basically it means to be valued, to be treasured. Worth, it's, it's not just worship, it's worth, it's worship. It's counting, on, it, it's, it's pointing to the, the grace and the goodness of God. It literally means to bow down and fall prostrate, fall before the Lord, to bow to Him. Now, it comes from a Greek word, proskuneo, which means uh, to kiss the hand. So it's like bowing, kissing the hands, to honor, to revere worship. Now, as we mentioned, worship is not a weekly pep rally. It's not a performance. Uh, it's not a day. It's life. Worship for us should be a way of life. And, and although for some of us that are kind of, we love music and worship, and, and music and worship has been a part of my life for so many years now. For many years in pastoring churches, I, I, I led the worship and was involved with the keyboard and worship. In fact, uh, uh, probably the first 10 years of this ministry I was. And... Uh, it's interesting to me because now we have all these young generations, even that my grandkids that don't know that I play the piano keyboard. And so <laughs> uh, I, uh, but it was an important part of my life. It was connected to how I ministered to people. And, and worship, uh, music still is. I enjoy music. We have wonderful people up here from week to week on our, our praise and worship team. And and the most important thing is not just how well-trained they are about their ability. The most important thing is, is it genuine? Is it from their heart? And I love the folks that are up here and their desire to worship the Lord here. It makes a huge difference. Um, but you can, you can worship without music. Sometimes we make a link there that just, I mean, we connect the two and we say, well, you know, worship is about when we sing. It's about when we hear instruments. But technically, when we talk about worship, we don't necessarily have to have music. Now, for some of us, it seems a little bit awkward when we move into that. But it doesn't require music. But music is one of God's tremendous aids and blessings to help us in worship. When we worship, what we worship and uh, actually is what we worship is who or what we will follow. Whatever we worship, we're going to follow. And understand that this message is a little bit different because I'm, I'm going down. There's a lot of truths. There's a lot of things that I'm just going to be just one sentence things that I want us to grasp and get a hold of today. I don't want to overwhelm with a lot of facts and information. But these things, I think, will feed us because there's a purpose in this. There's a purpose not for us just, just to learn more about praise and worship. The purpose is, is for us to become praisers and worshipers. I say the purpose of today is not just to talk about or learn more about praise and worship as a subject, but our purpose is how do I integrate that into my life? How do I take this and apply it to my life? And we'll, we'll move more and more of that as we close out the worship here in just a little while. But worship really is about relationship. It's about intimacy. And 
we kind of get that idea, and you don't have to turn there, but when we go back to John chapter 12 and we get the account of, of Mary, who was the sister of Martha and, and the sister of Lazarus. And Jesus was there, and, and Mary, in all humility and in worship, bowed before Jesus and anointed his feet with perfume. Now, the very religious person who was there, his name was Judas, who was also the treasurer, was offended by that. You know, people get offended. People, worship offends some people. And he was offended. He says, why is she wasting all that, mo- all that, that money and wealth and just throwing that away? It could have been sold and could have fed the hungry and helped the poor. He criticized her worship. If you truly worship, don't be too concerned if you're at times criticized because of it. But it's interesting to me when I look at this that Jesus rebuked Judas. He didn't say, oh, you know, Judas, you're right. She shouldn't have wasted that. No, he defended Mary saying that she anointed him in preparation for his burial. He, she was showing devotion to him. Here's what Jesus was teaching there. Jesus was teaching that there is no higher value than worshiping God. There is nothing more important, nothing more valuable than worshiping God, being a worshiper. Now let that sink in. Because we fill our, our minds, our, 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 our thoughts with so many things that we think are important. And even good things. And even church things. Even things uh, relating to the gospel. But there's nothing. There's absolutely nothing that's more important than for us to acknowledge that he is our God and to worship him. Because out of that is where everything else, out of that flows everything else. Our way of life. Our ministry to others, our concern, our care for others is, is out of relationship with him. Worship him. Uh, John chapter 4, remember I, I touched on this last week where, where Jesus said, you know, true worshipers, there's a day coming when we worship spirit and truth. True worshipers worship God in spirit and in truth. He's, in other words, he says there's a way of worship that's acceptable. And it's to be in spirit. It's to be passionate. It's to be led by the Holy Spirit. And it's to be in truth. It's to be... Uh, it's be informed. It's to be uh, in line with the word. But there's some worship which is just unacceptable. False worship or idol worship is unacceptable. Now we say yes, absolutely, I agree with that. I do not bow down before any other uh, uh, idols, any other gods of the world. I don't bow down to a to a tree or to to a stone. I don't I don't worship idols. But then when we get a little bit, it can get a little bit closer to home than that. When we talk about idols, so you see, someone said that idol is what we call something we cannot live without. Anything we elevate before God and continually distracts us can become an idol in our life. Unacceptable worship is insincere worship. It's not genuine. It is half-hearted. Unacceptable worship is when it's half-hearted. He deserves our best, right? He deserves the first, right? He doesn't deserve leftovers. He deserves the best. And uh, when anything else captures our affections and our passions away from God, then it becomes a substitute for God. So unacceptable worship is insincere, half-hearted, legalistic, and religious. Now, worship and praise and worship is not, the focal point of praise and worship is not about styles or traditions. I want to remind us of this, that 
the praise and worship, we have a particular praise and worship style here in this place. Uh, most all of us love it. We, we identify with it. But also the praise and worship team, they work hard to actually uh, be diverse in this and to do hymns and to, to mix it, it up because there's certain things that appeal to some people more than others. But, but some people, when they come to church today, they just come as church shoppers. I thank God that when they come, when they visit a place, they're just seeking the Lord and seeking His will. And they just want to connect wherever the Lord's leading them. But over the past several years, and I've been in the ministry many, 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 many years, <laughs> maybe one more many, but, and, and, and in this, uh, I've learned as a pastor that, that all too often you run this idea that when people come, that they'll come, or maybe they'll come and visit, but they come here to try to evaluate you. They want to evaluate and go down the list and say, check, that's what I want, check, that's not what I want, check, I don't like this, check, I like this. And it just depends on what side of the scale wins out as to whether they may ever be back or be interested. This church is not, this, this is not a place for everyone. Some people identify and connect with other ministries and other styles and everything, and that's perfectly all right. But our whole, the whole concept of coming together to worship shouldn't be about us because worship's not about us, it's about God. So when we gather together to worship here, it's not about whether I like every song that was sung or whether I like even what was shared in the message. It's about, Lord, I'm here to hear from you. I'm here to worship you. I, I, you know, I can't tell you how many people over the years have come and said, well, I'm thinking about coming to your church, and I, 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 I just kind of shudder when they say thinking about coming to my church. I ain't, uh, down south, I ain't got no church. I'm a part of a church family. Jesus said it was his church. He says, it's my church. It's my church. And in a sense, this is our church because we're all family. But I just wanted to find out more about your church. Okay, what would you like to know? And they go down the list. And oftentimes they want to know about some certain doctrinal beliefs. <laughs> That's always interesting. And, and then sometimes they want to know about, well, what, kind, what goes on in a worship service. Well, I sincerely hope the same thing doesn't go on every Sunday morning because that's extremely boring. But some people like that. They feel comfortable when there's a set routine to fall through on Sunday. And if they, if they can genuinely worship God in that environment, then we shouldn't criticize them if it's from the heart. You know what I'm saying? It's not about style. Years ago, I had a family that had been part attending in, in worship, connected, be a part, and connected, and then... And then they were gone. <laughs> and and I, I heard they were somewhere else. Well, when I heard that, then uh, I made contact with them. Because first of all, we want to know, what, is there something where, you know, I, I'm not going to chase you down. If you want to go somewhere else, go somewhere else. But I just want to know, are there some things need to be cleared up? Is some things, and, and so, and the interesting thing about this was, Here's their one reason for feeling that they wanted to leave here and go somewhere else. And I'm not into church swapping right now. Please miss it. Don't, that's my, not my topic. But I'm just getting to a point here. Here's what their response was to me. They'd been coming here for two years. And they said, we just don't really care for the kind of worship and the kind of songs that y'all use here. And sometimes when people respond to me, I have to pick my jaw up off the ground because I just, it's just, I'm just flabbergasted by it. 
Couldn't you have found that out within a month or two? <laughs> Grateful to have had you for all that time. But see, what happened was that wasn't really it. That was used because they wanted something to justify it. That really wasn't the problem. It was something they could get a handle on. And, you know, my prayer is that if they have connected somewhere else and they're singing the traditional hymns and going through a more traditional service every Sunday, my prayer is that that's fulfilling to them and they're truly worshiping the Lord. It would be unfair to expect them to come be miserable here. You ought not be a part of a church family where you're miserable. Now, you may be a part of your own personal family that <laughs> you can't get away from, but uh, no, it just shouldn't happen. Hey, pastor, reel it in, reel it in. <laughs> uh, but worship is so much, uh, is tied in America in particular. Worship is, is so tied to a particular time of the week. And by the way, remember the church started out the first day of the week. And that's significant because it pointed to the resurrection of Jesus, that this is a new day. Things are different than in the Old Testament church. But it also pointed to the fact that he deserves first fruits. He deserves the best and the first. So they said, we're going to worship him first. First part of the week. First part of the day. First part of your wealth. He deserves everything. The first part. Not leftovers. Yes? Hallelujah. That should be the attitude of the believer. Well, some indicators of what we worship is we need to ask ourselves a question. What really occupies my mind most of the time? How do I use my time? And how do I spend my money? What does my bank statement look like? That, that sometimes gives indicators as to where our passions are. Folks, true worship will change you and me. It'll change us. That's why this is important. I'm not trying to get people to, everyone just to jump up and down and shout. If you want to, that would be wonderful. I'm not trying to get everyone to dance. Some of you, I don't want to watch dance. <laughs> just kidding. If you're dancing for the Lord, it will be good. And I just want to tell you, as some of you, if I dance, you don't really want to watch that either. Keep focused on the Lord. <laughs> this is not about trying to go after a particular style. or, or we going, we do, If you do it this way, this is worship. But if you don't do it this way, it's not worship. Understand that is not where we're going with this. But we do need to learn more about what true praise and worship is and how it will change us when we praise and worship. Isaiah had the experience. When you read in Isaiah chapter 6, uh, it says in, in the year that King Uzziah died, he says, I saw the Lord. He had, he, had a, he had an experience with God. He said, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. Man, he had a glory encounter. But when you notice that with him, uh, and he hears the, the, the seraphim, he hears the angelic beings saying, ho, repeating and saying to themselves, verse 3, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. He experienced the greatness and the wholeness of God. And when he did this, now get this, when he did this, one of the first things that happened, he saw himself more clearly. Worship will change us. It's not there when we worship God, God wants to condemn us for something or pointing out our sins, our wrongdoings. But the truth is that when we worship, there will be a greater, a greater clarity where the Holy Spirit will show you some things about your life that may need to be adjusted or changed. Can you receive that? And that's what happened uh, to Isaiah. He said, whoa. He said, I'm a man of unclean lips and I, I live among a people that are unclean lips. Whoa unto me. 
This is bad. But the Lord sent. He's a redemptive God and a forgiving God. He sent and the coals of fire through the angelic beings and touched the tongue is how it's, how it's explained, how it's mentioned here. And Isaiah was cleansed and was changed. He had a revelation of the greatness and the holiness of God which had a powerful impact on him that called him closer to God. And it, here's, here's the important, is that the next thing that came about was he heard these questions from the Lord. Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Who shall I send? Who will go for us? Worship will affect your response to the call of God on your life. Worship will affect how quickly and willingly you're able to, or you're willing to obey and follow the Lord. That happened. Remember, just moments before, I said, man, I'm not worth anything. And I'm unclean. I live among unclean people. And God touched and changed him. And then the Lord said, who's going to go for me? And immediately Isaiah said, here I am, send me. Worship will send you. I said, true worship will send you to follow God's calling. Now, when we think, talk about praise and worship, and remember I'm linking two together for this morning. When it comes to praising God, remember this. Praise and worship. It is deserved. He's God. He deserves it. It is commanded. The Bible commands us to worship and praise Him. It is desired. God desires the praises of His people. It is pleasing. It pleases God, the Father, for us to please Him. It is a choice. We are to choose or make a decision whether we'll praise Him or not. Sometimes it, we don't feel like praising. We don't feel like uh, in any way. We don't feel like giving thanks. We don't feel like it. things are going bad. It is the midnight hour. Some things are going wrong. And, some, and you're facing sickness. You're facing problems. You're facing all this stuff. And you're, you're, you're encountering difficulties in your family, difficulties in your finances. And all this stuff is going on. It's not a real good day. In fact, it may not be a real good month. But in the midst of all of this, as Christians, as born-again believers, if we can learn the secret and the powerful principle of going ahead and praising Him anyway, we praise Him because everything good comes from Him. And we praise Him because if we're going to move beyond that pit and beyond that place of, uh, of, of bondage and beyond that place of hurt and pain, we're going to have to move out to the power of praise. You will not move out of your problem by complaining about it. You'll not move out of your problem by blaming someone else for it. But praise can usher you right on out it's from your heart. That's the reason the devil likes to stop you from praising. The opposite of praising is blame and, and accusation and criticizing, complaining. So sometimes it's a sacrifice to praise. It's an offering of praise. I don't feel like it. Things are not looking good, but Lord, you haven't changed, and your word haven't changed, and I choose to praise you. And by the way, you say, Pastor, you know, I understand people are different. And we're all supposed to praise the Lord. Uh, it's true. But for me, I'm just different. I'm a very private person. I'm not sure this is really for me or not. Well, Psalm 150 says, let everything that has breath. I want everybody to just go. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. All right. If you're one of those with breath, come on, praise the Lord. Yeah, 
we praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Thank you for the breath we breathe. Hallelujah. You breathe in his grace. That's what praise is, is breathing in the grace of God, excelling praise and worship to him. All right. Praise will exalt and honor God first. Praise will bring breakthrough in your life. Remember when Joshua, the, the people of Israel, they, they, uh, they had the walls of Jericho that were keeping them out. And, um, oh, Lord, keep me off the topic of walls. Okay. He was, he was, he was marching the wall of their in, enemy in Jericho. And, uh, and the Lord said, you go around it. Go around it every day, six times, quietly. Now, understand if you happen to be peeking out from inside and you're watching. We're not talking about 50 or 100 people marching around. And by the way, it was a large area. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of people. And here's the miracle part of it. There was total silence. Now, if you can keep two or three silence, pretty good. But you keep that crowd silent. And they were totally silent. And they, every day, and imagine if you're looking through and it said day one, what in the world are they doing? And they're just marching around. See, day two, you look at, well, they're doing the same thing they did yesterday. Day three, four, five, six. On day seven, I, I have an idea. They expected the same thing to happen. I think they expected that, oh, Oh, they're just marching around again. No big deal. Nothing's going to happen. Here's what happened. Here's the difference. He says, when you go around the seventh day, I want as you're going around, I want every one of you, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of you, to shout. It scared, it scared, it scared the people and brought down the wall. The power of God. The wall fell down and they were able to enter in. Listen, praise will bring breakthrough and it'll bring freedom into your life. I love the passage and you can turn there if you like, but I'm in Acts chapter 16, verse 23, 26. Paul and Silas, because they've been proclaiming and preaching the gospel, they uh, are, are brought before the court, so to speak, and they are condemned uh, and they are placed in prison. And it's not just the prison, it's a dungeon. It's dark, dirty, sickening. It's called the inner prison. And they're placed there. They have guards. And not only they're placed there, but their feet are placed in, or, or locked in, in stocks. They're bound. And it would be very human. And, and when you think about when you're, when you're experiencing some hardships or difficulties or things coming against you, and maybe you can look at it and say, well, you know, it's kind of my fault. I brought this on myself. <laughs> but when you've been out doing, they had been only doing good. The only thing they'd been doing was giving the message of life. The only thing they'd been doing was introducing people to the Savior. The only thing they'd been doing was to bless people. That's the only thing they were guilty of, blessing people and honoring the Lord. And this is what they get. I'm serving you, Lord. Man, I'm serving you better than the, my neighbors are serving you. I mean, look what I've been doing. And this is the thanks, this is what happens to me. The devil loves to discourage people that way. If you're a Christian and you're going through a difficult spot and you sometimes it, the devil wants you to blame God. I mean, he wants you to blame God, but I'm telling you what, what you're going through that is bad, that is carrying you away from what is good, that, that's trying to 
bring you down and destroy you. You need to write it down, no matter what it looks like. That is not from God. Even though God gets blamed for this stuff sometimes, that's not from God. But the devil loves for people to give God the credit for something that God didn't do, bad things that God didn't do. And so they're there, and typically, or you would think it would not be out of the ordinary for them to simply be so despondent. They've been beaten, placed in this horrible place, bound, and look, you want to add insult to injury? It was at midnight, the darkest point in time for them. And what happened? You remember the story? While they were there, at midnight came, and they were praying and singing psalms, or they were singing. They're praising God. You may not have an earthquake, but when you get serious about praising God, when things are going on in your life, it will change the atmosphere around you. It will change your situation. And it changed their situation because there was an earthquake that shook that place. All the, all the uh, gates, all the doors that locked people in, it, it flung open. The, the rest of the story is that they told the prisoners to stay there, don't go out. And then in the prison, one key in the prison got saved and all that's kind of miraculous in and of itself. But Something happened that helped them to be set free when they praised the Lord. Listen, praise will, set, will bring you to a place of freedom in your life that maybe you couldn't find anywhere else. So very important. Praise defeats the enemy. It sends the enemy running. Remember 2 Chronicles chapter 20, King Jehoshaphat and the people of God, they were, they were seeking the Lord for help because they were outnumbered. They were surrounded by three of their enemies there. Three of the kingdoms. But the Lord, when they sought him, the Lord said, don't worry about it. You're going to win. He said, don't. He said, he told them to go out against them, those armies those that had outnumbered them. And he said, God said, go out against them. I'll, do, I'll, I'll fight the battle for you. Man, that, yeah, but Lord, how are you going to do that? That sounds pretty good. I'd like if you did that, but how are you going to do that? Well, we don't have to know all the how-tos. We just need to believe the promise of God. He sent the tribe of Judah first. We think, well, we would send, in a particular military fashion, there's certain people that you'd put on the front lines to go against the enemy. And as wild as it may seem, they sent out their choir first. The worshipers were in front. They were on the battlefront. And here's what is fascinating. As they went out worshiping the Lord before these, these uh, enemies that so outnumbered them, that God worked miraculously in it and the people that were opposed to them began, they were confused, they were caught up in confusion and they began to fight against one another. And the people of Israel could just kind of stand back and look what God, look what God is doing. I find that that happens a lot of times. In fact, sometimes that's how I pray, maybe even in some things that are going on in the world, is how I pray and I'll say, Lord, I just pray, God, for the salvation of these people that they'll turn their hearts to you. And these people that are so bringing so much harm and hurt to people, God, that they'll turn to you. But I pray that those who set themselves as enemies against life and against freedom, my prayer is, God, that you will, we're just going to praise and worship you and we're going to take on and do our part, what we can do. But, God, I'm expecting, I'm expecting that you will bring confusion into their camp and they'll turn on one another. I've been watching that. For several years now, even government. Well, praise defeats the enemy. 
Praise releases blessings in our life, healing, miracles. The ruler whose daughter had died came and bowed in worship for the Lord, and his daughter lived. Praise impacts others around us. Remember, not only, were the, not only was the place shaken there with Paul and Silas and released from prison, but it affected those around them. But Psalm 40, verse 3 says, He has given me a new song, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done. Now get this. As you're praising the Lord, he says, Many will see what the Lord has done, and they'll be amazed. This is important. And they will put their trust in the Lord. When we learn to be this, to, uh, to this to be our lifestyle, it will impact those around us and say, hey, look, look at them. Look how they faced this difficulty. Look how they went through this trial. Look what they did during the midnight hours. Look what they did. Man, there's something powerful. Something's different about them. And I see that they're praising the Lord. I see that the Lord is their God and he's their provision. I think I'll, I think I will choose to follow him. Very important. And praise an expression of faith. Hebrews 13, 15, remember, says that let to offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. In other words, it's continual. It's a lifestyle. And, and uh, so when we praise and give thanks, we sometimes we, th- we put thanksgiving into this compartment. And, and listen to this. It's important. It's when we think about praise and thanksgiving, we think that we've already see- received, therefore we give thanks for it. There's two aspects to thanksgiving and praise. You need to look at the fact that there's gratefulness for what God has given you. But there's also thanking God in advance for what God has promised you. Okay? When we think about, you know, someone gives something, you know, bringing up our children, we know that our children, someone would give them something, and we say, well, what do you say? What do you say? Thank you. Well, we, hopefully they've been trained. They'll say, thank you. What do you say? They, they say, thank you. Why? Because someone gave them something. Well, when God blesses us and gives us something, naturally, for believers, how in the world could we be ungrateful? How in the world could we not say, oh, God, thank you. Thank you. Make this a daily habit in your life. When you get up in the morning, when you look around, when things happen, even if what's happening is not that great, make it, thank God for the good things that he's doing. Thank God for what he's brought into your life. Yes? Th- thank him. But oh, it goes a step further, maybe a little deeper maybe, is as Christians, we know what he's promised and we know his faithfulness. So therefore, I thank him in advance for what he has promised me and what is coming into my life. That's an extremely important part of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a word of faith. It's faith. It's very important. All right. Um, my, the biggest challenge of this was try to walk through all these things and, and, and not bore anybody and not be overcome with a lot of facts. Senses. But I, I want to I close out with this, and then we're going to move back into praise and worship for just a few minutes here before we go home. And um, for some of this, this will be repetitive. Maybe we've done studies over the years on different topics and everything. But I, I, I wanted to point out... Uh, I want to point out some things about how we express, how we demonstrate our praise and worship today. And, of course, we know that it's verbal, it's singing, it's playing instruments, it's shouting, it's dancing, lifting, clapping our hands. And make, make this, uh, understand, praise and worship 
is a lifestyle. And praise and worship is not only a lifestyle, but praise and worship is to be a continual part of our life. Not only again, off again, continual. Okay? It becomes a habit, a good habit in our lives. So I wanted to point out seven Hebrew words. Don't worry when I say seven. It doesn't mean that you're going to have to hang out for a long time. Um, I'm just going to hit on these very quickly. And there are several others. But seven Hebrew words that are used, and, and I'm not going to go into all the scriptures, but oftentimes when you read scriptures, particularly in the Old Testament, and you use the word praise, in the Hebrew it's saying something a little different. And when you, it says give thanks, the Hebrew is saying a little bit different than what we have in our translation. I'm not saying translations are really wrong or in error. I'm just saying that the Hebrew gives us a clearer picture of the whole aspect of praise and worship. Now, I want to say this as a little uh, intro into it. Is It is, um, when we talk about insincere praise and worship, when we praise and worship the Lord, it should not be just out of as a religious habit. And when we praise and worship, it's important for us to understand that we're all different. Okay? So, we're not after manufactured praise and worship. Now, hear me. A worship team. And sometimes when I get up here, you understand I'm a cheerleader. I don't have the moves. <laughs> but I'm a cheerleader. I'm saying, come on. Yay, God. Two bits, four bits. You know, some, you look. Cheer. Praise God. The, the biblical term that sounds a little bit more religious to us and acceptable is exhort. One of the primary gifts in my life, the primary gift in my life is teaching. I'm going back and look and tests and all this stuff, but it seems that the primary gift in my life is teaching. And the other ones that are linked in there have to do with leadership and exhortation and then worship. And we are to exhort one another, which means stir them up. Come on. Get stirred up. But this should not be phony. You understand what I'm saying? I understand that a cheerleader can stand at, let's say, an Alabama or an Auburn football game or maybe a JSU game, and they're cheerleaders, and their call is, is to get people connected and stirred up. And in most cases, those that they're stir stirring up mean. They mean They mean it. Yeah, go team, go. They mean it. So there's nothing wrong with exhorting and encouraging. Say, come on, people, praise God. But I'm not interested in just stirring up emotions. And I'm not interested in us saying, hey, this is the way we worship every time we gather, you know, go through the motions. And I'm not interested in saying I'm not, that everybody should worship in an identical fashion because we're not all identical. Some people are a little bit more reserved and quiet. The amazing thing about that is over all these years in ministry, some people that were more reserved and quiet and concerned about this, when God touched their lives in a... When they had an encounter with the Lord, there were the, they were the ones that were running around. They were the ones that were shouting. They, I mean, it's just like God just, just the, 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 the dam was just, just burst. And all this pent-up stuff to where they had to be 
acceptable and, and dignified and everything just came falling down because they said, hey, I love Jesus. Man, God is so good. And I'm excited about knowing and serving a God who is all-powerful God, creator of heavens and earth, and the one who loved me so much that he gave, gave his own begotten son, and the one who's willing to give his all for me, and the one who loves me so much that even the hair on my head are numbered, and the one who loves me so much that he promises that he'll meet my needs, the one that I know through Jesus who's coming again very soon, and the one that I'll be with for eternity. How in the world could I not be excited about that? What's happened, a lot of us, is we've allowed things to attach to us that's drawn the, the energy and the passions of worship away from God, and we've been focusing more on some other stuff. Church can even do that. Church services can do that. So our, our focus in the morning. So people are different. Sometimes we start talking about this, people say, well, you know, he's going to expect me to raise my hands or even clap. <laughs> I remember when that, back in the 80s, this is the 1980s. I remember back in the 80s when there was a real move of the presence of the Lord. I remember in just traditional churches that people started getting excited about the Lord. God began to do a work in their lives. And I remember that one of the breakthrough songs was a Bill Gaither song that came through because all these people that were singing like this. And they were so thankful for their hymn books at this time. Because you got to hold your hymn book. All these people that were like this finally broke loose when we got the Gaither song that said, let's just praise the Lord. And, of course, part of it, we sang, let's just lift our hands toward heaven. Oh, some of these people were not comfortable with that. They changed it. Let's just lift our hearts toward heaven. <laughs> because there was something about this that was so foreign there was something about shouting when it came to, to gathering together and celebrating. It was so foreign to them. Now, they go crazy on the sidelines. They go crazy watching a ball game. But you put them in Sunday, no. No, I feel uncomfortable with that. It's where is your passion. But here's bottom line. And here's, here's the challenge when it comes to talking about things like this. The challenge is, is I don't want to manipulate worship, but I want us to be free in worship. I want some of you that have been so bound and pent up and worried about what it's going to look like and the enemy trying to tell you you're not worthy. I want you and I to get to a place where when we come together, certainly there's seriousness about God. He's a holy God, just God. We revere him, respect him. But is it all right to enjoy? Is it all right to be happy? Is it all right to be joyful? Is it all right to celebrate? Is it all right to shout and say, yay, God? Is it all right? Well, of course it is. And why? Why is it so difficult, people, today? Well, there has to be some training. We have to move into it. But have you ever noticed? I've been in some worship gatherings where maybe you'd be in a one worship gathering with your own church and people would be there and worshiping, but people were just kind of reserved. But we go to another church where there was where there were maybe hundreds and even thousands, and everybody be in there dancing around and shouting their hands. And I look over at my brothers and sisters in Christ who come to the church where I pastor, and they're over there worshiping everything. I said, "Why don't you bring that home with you? Will you bring that back to covenant life? Why does it happen there and it doesn't happen here?" Now that's not an indictment or judgment, but it is a good question. 
<laughs> okay. All right. All right. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to move very quickly because we'll close out. And, all right. Here we go. Seven Hebrew words. The first one is halal, and it, it's uh, up there. And, of course, you see it's familiar to hallelujah. And, and halal means to boast, to brag, to rave about God. Sometimes when you're reading the scripture, when it talks about praising the Lord, I will praise you as long as I live, that word praise is halal, which means I'm going to boast about the Lord, I'm going to brag about I'm going to rave. Here's what it literally means, to rave about God even to the point of appearing foolish. Hallelujah just adds a little word, yah, yah to it, if you will. And it, it's a premier word, of course, for praise. It's international, all languages. Hallelujah, spontaneous outcry of one who's excited about the Lord. There's the Greek word yada, which literally means the extended hand, lifting the hands to the Lord. Psalm 63, verse 4. I will bless the Lord as long as I live. I will yada, lift my hands in your name. And I could go on and on and on on that. And it's closely linked to the word tada, which comes from... Uh, the, the Torah, which means the, uh, the extension of hands and thanksgiving. There's the word zemar, which means to pluck the strings of an instrument. So sometimes when you read about praise the Lord in Scripture, sing to him, sing praises, zemar to him. It means play the instruments. The tehillah means, it's derived from the word halah, which means to sing, to involve music, spiritual songs, hymns. The, the shavah is a Hebrew word that means to shout, with a loud voice of triumph. It says shout with a loud voice. It says shout with a loud voice. <laughs> shout with a loud voice. Well, would somebody in here please shout with a quiet voice to me? Can you shout quietly? It's almost like, no, I can't shout quietly. Shout, shout's got to be loud. You got to hear it. That's exactly right. That's what the scripture's saying here. Shabbat means to shout with a loud voice. Then the word barak, B-A-R-A-K, means to kneel down and to bless the Lord. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel, barak. Before the Lord our Maker. And one other word I put in there, which is not used quite as frequently, is the word abad, abad, which literally means serving. In some translations, in Psalm 100, it says, "Worship the Lord with gladness." Technically, the word, and some people, some translations translate it this way. Technically, the word there that's used for worship is the word abad, which means to serve. So he's saying, "Worship is serving." So if I go through this, and I say, "Okay." Worship is to boast and brag about God even to the point of appearing foolish. It's spontaneous outcry of one who's excited about God. It's extending the hands to lift up hands. And by the way, that's opposite to wringing the hands. It is to pluck strings or play instruments to the Lord to joyfully sing. It is to sing to involve music in, in, your, in your worship. It is to shout with a loud voice of triumph. It is to kneel down and bow before the Lord and to bless the Lord, honor him, and it is to serve him with your whole heart. That's a brief picture of what the Bible says praise and worship should be like. Now, I don't know how that applies to you. I don't know what, what's that saying to you right now, what that is saying to you right now. My, my prayer has been, 
You know, I think there's times maybe it would almost be good to do a clinic on praise and worship and say, okay, here's what the Bible says, now let's do it. Now let us just do it, okay? Let's just do it. And uh, before you get nervous, we're not going to do that right now, but, um, <laughs> but here's, here's, here's my aim in bringing things down to the end here today. Here's my aim. It's not just that, as we close this out with a couple of worship songs, not just that we will find new freedom in expressing what we've heard about today as we worship him, but that you'll take what you've heard today, even if you've heard similar things before, that you'll take what you've heard today and you'll let the Lord just put that down deep inside of you so that it'll transform your life, so that you can become a praiser and become a worshiper.